But, but that's the question I have for you. Can we, can we go, be going through difficulty? Can we be going through trouble and yet still never have left the Lord's favor and his love? Could we never have, could we never have ventured outside or, or could he have never turned away from us uh, from his love and his, from his favor? Let's read Psalm 130 um, if you have your Bibles with you. Or it'll be up on the screen if you don't. Okay, Psalm 130. We're just going to read verses 1 and 2 to begin with. Listen to how he starts. Again, this is one of those songs of ascents where, where they're getting ready to worship God in the temple. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Oh, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive, attentive to my cry for mercy. All right, let me pause there for just a second. Just let me point out a couple things. Verse 1, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. What, what in the world could be going on? Have you ever been in the depths? You, you know what he's talking about here? What are the, what are the depths? What, what is that? Is that? What is that for you? What has that been for you? What in the world could he be talking about here? Anyone? I'm sorry? Low places? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like, yeah, like someone dying, losing a loved one. That's, that's a deep place, isn't it? What else? Being in, being in fear, right? Being in failure, you know, having failed. I, I know Jenny's. Would you pass that back? Jenny's the other. That's all right. <laughs> you just pass that around the sanctuary if you want to. Um, you ever been in those depths? You ever been in those difficult places? How about in, in fear? You ever been at a place where you're just desperately afraid of what might be coming, what might happen? How about in, the, in depression? Ever struggle with, with just depression about not knowing, just not losing hope, think, think things just, just may not get better. Things may just not get any better. Um, how about in illness yourself? Struggle with something that you just continually struggle with? Um, if you don't, <laughs> we all will. I, I mean, this is, this is coming for all of us if, if it hasn't yet. These bodies are going to wear out, right? How about in, uh, um, how about in, in poverty? How about in, in failure? You ever been in those deep places? You ever prayed like this? Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive, attentive to my cry for mercy. You, you hear that? You hear the desperation in the psalmist? It, I, he's, he's not saying, I'm, I'm calling from you from the mountaintops. I'm Joel Osteening here. I'm calling to you. I'm sorry. I try not to even mention his name. I'm calling to you. I just can't help it. He just makes me crazy. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm calling to you from the mountaintops. Uh, it, it, this is just, you know, I'm calling you from that great, but no, he's in the depths. He's in the pit here. Um, this is similar to one of the, one of the other Psalms that, that we read here right around here in 120 that, that, uh, or 130s that, that says uh, that he's in the pit. He's in, he's in the pit, and he's asking, Lord, he, he's, just, he's asking, begging, hear my voice. Listen to my prayer. Hear me. Have you ever been in that kind of desperation? You ever been in that kind of depth? You ever been where you're just clinging to, on to just to believe and to, and to have faith that the Lord is hearing me and just asking, Lord, would you hear? Lord, would you listen? Maybe it's about something that you've prayed about for a long, long time where you're just asking and pleading with the Lord, Lord, you've got to hear my prayer. I, I, I don't have any hope outside of you. If you don't hear, if you don't answer, if you don't help, if you don't save, if you don't rescue, I, ha- I have no one else. Right? I think the, the question for us this morning is, does God hear? Does he listen when we pray? Does he see us in our misery? 
Does he know our afflictions? Does he know our troubles? If you have your Bible with you, would you turn? We're just going to leave your thumb there in, uh, in, in Psalm. But back in Genesis, we're going to look really quickly back in Genesis chapter 16. I'll tell you about a, a slave girl. Um, this is the story. You remember there was Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah had, oh, I don't know, a little difficulty getting pregnant, like for years and years and years, even though God had promised her that, that she would be pregnant and that, or, or that uh, Abraham's seed would be a blessing and would they'd be numerous as the sand and the stars in the sky, but Sarah couldn't get pregnant. And so ultimately they decided that, Abraham and Sarah decided that, um, that they would bring in someone else. And they actually, they go choose a slave, and the slave is then, they decide, hey, we'll let the slave carry Abraham's child. It wasn't uncommon in those days. Today we look at that and think, it's like on the, what is that, one of those TV shows during the daytime, um, right? Um, but anyway, back then it wasn't too terribly uncommon. Uh, but anyway, look, look with me just real quickly in chapter 16, verse, starting in verse 11. So, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a huge part of the story. Okay, so um, uh, um, Hagar is the slave's name. The slave, right, the slave girl gets pregnant. And she, um, then all of a sudden, oddly enough, there's a little friction between Sarah and the slave girl. Who'd have thought? I mean, anybody see that coming? Right. Okay, so there's a little friction between uh, uh, Hagar, who was pregnant with her husband's uh, child, and Sarah, right? And so what happens is that Sarah complains to Abraham, says this isn't right, uh, kick her out, and so Abraham agrees and says, I'll kick her out. So Hagar finds herself pregnant and alone in a distant country. One other thing I need to point out to you. She's a slave. Anybody remember where she's from? Good guess. Yes, Egypt. That's right, from Egypt. Uh, a slave girl from Egypt, far away from home. She's living here with Abraham and kicked out, pregnant and alone. And so what does she do? She actually prays to Abraham's God. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, pretty interesting. And listen to the response. The angel of the Lord said to her, You are now a child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Do you know what the term Ishmael, what the name Ishmael means? That's right. God hears. In the midst of her crying, in the midst of her loneliness, in the midst of her fear, in the midst of her loneliness being so far away from home, in the midst of being all alone and pregnant and scared, God heard. Verse 12. Eh, let's skip verse 12. It's just kind of funny. He, I, I love it. Let's just read it. He will be a wild donkey of a man. I love that. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. That's great. Great kid. Okay, verse 13. Anybody have one like that? Okay. It, if you don't yet, you might. She came, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, she said. I have seen the one who sees me and that is why the well... Uh, that, that is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy, for it is there between Kadesh and Bered. Okay, so um, let me point out to you. You are the God who sees me. That's the term. You are El Roy. That means you are the God who sees. So in the previous verse, in verse 11, he said, you are the God. She said, you are the God who hears. And the angel says, you're going to name him Ishmael because the Lord has heard your misery. And in verse 13 or 14, he jumps and, and, uh, and, and, 
and she responds with, uh, I'm going to call, I've heard, the one who sees me is Elroy, and he, I've seen him, the one who sees me. In her misery, in her loneliness, in her fear, God saw and God heard. Now, the thing I like to point out about this, God owes Hagar nothing. Who is God's descendant? Who, who, who is the one who would be the one who was chosen to receive the blessing? It was Abraham, but you remember you read, we read in Romans here not too long ago, Ro, uh, uh, Paul writes about, about Ishmael and Isaac, and he says what? Does, does a promise pass on to Ishmael, the, the son of the slave girl? No, it passes on uh, to, to, to Isaac. And so, um, uh, and so uh, God owes her nothing, right? She's not part of the promise. She's not part of the plan. In fact, you would say that actually what Abraham and Sarah was doing is that they were grasping at the straws. They were trying to make God's plan happen for them, and it ended up really great, right? I mean, it ended up in friction. It ended up in this broken family now that Ishmael would grow up separated from the rest of his family because they tried to take on their own plan to bring about their own salvation and their own rescue and their own redemption instead of waiting on the Lord, right? But God in his kindness, in his compassion for this girl that he has promised nothing to, hears her when she prays and sees her in her misery and answers her prayer. Yeah. And gives her descendants through Ishmael, which was an incredible blessing, uh, you know, in these days, especially back in those days, to have someone um, to, to care for you and provide for you, especially for a woman who was alone. Pretty amazing. Um, I want to point out a couple things. This is very early on in the scriptures, but you're going to see over and over again where Egypt is a place of refuge, right? And you guys know this, right? Abram previously had fled from his land to go to Egypt because there was a famine. So he went to flee, um, flee for a famine. Um, matter of fact, Abraham and Sarah, seeking a, a rescue from the barrenness of Sarah, went to what an Egyptian slave. Um, we, we know that even, too, that later on that Hagar would run to Egypt to escape from his, her misery. Later on, of course, years later, decades, generations later, Jesus, Christ, Jesus family would flee, and they would go where to Egypt to flee from Herod, right? Over and over again, and you'll see it all throughout the Scriptures. You'll see it in, 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 the, in the Kings and the Chronicles. You'll see it in the... In the, in the, in the um, in the prophets, where Israel's always going to Egypt for help. When other, another king would come and they would look like they would be making war, Egypt would be, or, or Israel would be reaching out to Egypt for help, right? They'd, they'd be asking for, for help from them. And over and over again, they look, Israel's looking to Egypt as the refuge. But in some ways that was good, in some ways that was bad, right? Eventually what would happen to the Israelites in Egypt? They would become slaves there. They would become slaves in Egypt because what would happen is that they would always go and try to, try to bring about a rescue themselves. They'd always try to bring about their own help. They'd always try to come up with their own plan to get them out of their situation. And every time it led to a place where God didn't necessarily want them. Now, sometimes Israel or Egypt as a refuge isn't, isn't spoken about negatively, but oftentimes it's spoken of as negatively. Matter of fact, there's a time in, uh, in Hosea where God says, I, he says, I want to be your savior. I don't want you going to other places. I don't want you going to other things. I don't want you to try to reach out for Assyria to solve your problems. I don't want you to reach out to Egypt to solve your problems. I want you, I want to be your savior. I want to be the only one. Uh, God, in his jealousy, wanting to, to help and wanting to save. 
and, uh, and Egypt um, w- would be that place where the Israelites would try to save themselves. But Israel's salvation wouldn't come through Egypt, right? Israel's salvation would come from the one who sees and the one who hears. When, whenever they cried out, it wasn't going to be Egypt who would come and help them. It would be the Lord God, amen? Let me tell you, and, and, and here to make the point here with, with us, we all the time go to Egypt, Right? We all the time try to, try to fix what's wrong in our lives. We try, to, we try to build up what's going on in our lives instead of going to the God who sees and the God who hears. Uh, let me, uh, you know, and it, it's happened, and we're, we're all like this. We're all kind of bent this way where we all want to find our own salvation and not have to rely on God for it because that's so hard and we don't know his timing and ultimately we want to be control of the timing and we want to be control of what's going on and we want our rescue and we want our rescue in our time and we want salvation on our terms and we want things to happen in our lives the way we want it to happen and we ultimately don't want to be dependent on God because ultimately in our fallen nature we're rebellious against him and we don't trust him. Yeah. So we all at the time run to Egypt. Let me just give you a quick example. I hear so many times people talking about their children. And, and say things like this, and this grates my nerve. This is like fingernails on a chalkboard. I just want my child to be happy. Okay. How many of us can control our own happiness, right? It just every day you just, you're just going to be happy? I mean, I mean it really? How about for another person? Listen, for your kid, there's always going to be someone who's more talented. They're always going to struggle with sin. They're, they're, they're never going to, 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 to get to, to the top. They're, they're always going to be struggling. They're going to have their own struggles. They're never going to be happy all their lives, right? It, it, it's a falsehood. But it's a sense that I can somehow control and do for my kids, right? It, it, there's a there's hundred thousand different things but uh, so right I, I want to feel significant and so I, I work at my job and I'm a workaholic and I neglect my family why because I want to feel significant well what does that do for you it puts you in slavery just like Egypt is because your work will never pay off for you in significance what you need from the Lord right how about in relationships? I, I, you know, you want and you, you, you date and you, you try to find significance in the eyes of another person, in the eyes of a man or in the eyes of a woman, but in the end, it's never enough. It's never enough. I, one of the things Matt Chandler says that I love, he, said, um, he, he says, you know, we, we have this desire for all this stuff. And we want stuff, and we want bigger houses, and we want newer cars, and we want new gadgets, and we want new this, and we want new that. Not getting all the time that more of the same stuff will never make us happy, right? Like, if I had the iPhone 6 today, then suddenly my life would be fixed, right? Uh, uh, It's just not the way that this works. We all the time run to Egypt for our significance. We're all the time running to Egypt for salvation. We're all the time running to Egypt for rescue. But God is the one who sees he is the one who hears. And none of the rest of those things, we will, you will wear your shoes out chasing after those things, and you'll never find what you're looking for. You find this true in your life? I found this true in my life. Yeah, I, I found this true in my life. God is the one who saves. God is the one who hears. Which is why it's so precious to me that here we sang, you know, one of the reasons, this month I, I really wanted to focus on Obviously, for Thanksgiving, I wanted to focus on us blessing the Lord about praising Him, because in the midst of our circumstances, it's not like we're separated from His goodness, right? It's it's not like I'm walking through struggle today, and so now I know nothing of the Lord's favor or His love for me. 
I'm, I'm going through a difficult time right now. And so all of a sudden, the Lord's apparently turned his back and I, and, and I have nothing of his grace or his mercy anymore. As though, as though, as though his love for, for us had been, had been severed. Uh, there's a, another place we've been reading in Hosea, forgive me, in, in Sunday school, we've been kind of going through um, um, verse by verse there. But one of the things he says is that the Lord, the Lord ties, is, is holding on to Israel with the ties of human kindness and, and with, with the bonds of love. Basically saying that Israel is about to go through this terrible judgment. They're going to be carried off in captivity. But the Lord's never going to let her go. Why? Because he loves her. The whole story of Hosea is that God pledged, just like, just like Hosea had pledged to, to Gomer, that he would be a faithful husband. God had made a pledge to Israel. And God has made a pledge to you and I. He will never let us go. We will always be in his favor. If you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, he has those ties, that bond of love for you. And no matter what difficulty you're going through, you, you will always find that he wants to show you his favor. Amen? It never ends. I know that you are for me. I know that you are for me. I know that you will never forsake me, even in my weaknesses. Beautiful. Okay. You ever prayed like that? Oh, the depth. Oh, out of the depths. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O oh Lord. O oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. We have a God who, he, who sees and a God who hears us. Amen? Amen. All right, verse 3. If you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sins, O oh Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. You know, um, we kind of look past this a lot, but you know my greatest problem? You know my greatest issue? And, you know, we got, we got enough, we got, I think, we got enough trouble in the crump house, right? We, I mean, we're doing all right. I mean, we got a beautiful house, got a, um, <laughs> almost some stuff that came up yesterday. Where's Clint? Is he in here? You know what I'm thinking about? Yeah, never mind. Were you there? No, you weren't there. Never mind. Uh, I got a beautiful wife, got a beautiful family, but we have struggles, right? We, we have, um, I've got some little problems. Brenda's got some problems. Jessica's got some problems. Becca's got some problems. We, we got enough problems. You know what I'm saying? We have our own struggles. But you know my worst problem is I'm a sinner. It is the greatest issue I have. It doesn't matter, you know, the, the fish could die tomorrow. We don't have any fish. I have a dog, so I didn't use him. But the, the fish could die tomorrow, and, and still my greatest problem is, is that I'm a, I'm a fallen sinner. It's my greatest illness. It's my greatest poverty. It, it, it's my greatest, it drives my greatest fears. It, it disrupts my relationships, and it separates me from my God. And that is the biggest issue I have, Right? Now, I know you and I don't go around thinking about this because Jesus has remedied this for us, right, for the most part. I mean, there's still some to be accomplished. Our redemption's not done. Our salvation's not fully, fully, you know, the deal's not fully closed. All the work's been done to get us to this point, but, but we're still struggling with that sin, and ultimately our bodies pay the price for that, right, because this body's not going to last, and probably yours isn't either, right, in this life, in, this, in these terms. Um, these, these bodies won't last. The, 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 they're going to fall apart. But the point I'm trying to make here is that the greatest problem that you and I have is sin. It, it is the greatest issue we have. 
And I know you think about, you know, the financial problems you have. And I know you think about the relation problems that you have. And I know you think about, you know, you worry about your kids. I know you worry about your health. I know you worry about your parents. I know you worry about your children. I know you worry about your grandchildren. The greatest problem you got is sin. It is. It, it, it separates you from the God who wants to show you his favor, right? And while Jesus Christ has done so much to turn the tide on that and to negate all of our sin in this life, while we're in this life, it's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle. It's, it, it is going to be. But the great thing here that we read, well, the, the difficult thing we read here first in verse 3, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Could you imagine standing before the holy God in his white judgment throne, right? The, the throne of power, standing before him, and he opens the book and say, well, let's see, you had 375, you know, bad thoughts on, uh, on November the 11th. On November the 12th, oh, let's see, you know, you coveted and you lusted, and, the, and then on November 13th, and then, and then, oh, I'm just talking about back in 1996. Uh, let's jump forward, you know what I mean? Uh, what if God kept that kind of record of sins? We would be shamed in his presence. We'd be afraid in his presence. Who, who could stand before God, the Holy One? Who could stand before him? The answer is rhetorical, of course, is that there is no one who could stand before him. Everyone would have to be on their faces and doing what? Just begging for mercy from the Holy God. Just have mercy. I have, nothing, I have no leg to stand. I'm a guilty before you. I've been rebellious. I, my thoughts have not been holy. My, my actions have not been right. I've, I've done things I shouldn't have done, and I haven't done things that I should have done over and over and over again. Who could stand? But with God, there is forgiveness. It, 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 forgiveness is like personified here. It's like, it's like, a, it's like, it's like God and, and, and his friend. It's, it's personified here. Is that the forgiveness is with him. It, it, it's there in his presence. And he, he, and he wants to show it to people. He wants to give us forgiveness. He wants to offer forgiveness to us and thank God that he keeps no record of our sins. So that one day, instead of you and I standing there and him going through the detailed list of every single one of our sins that he could record, but he chooses not to if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, he says, what? Well done, good, faithful servant, right? What a contrast, what a difference because of what the difference that the Lord Jesus has made in your life and mine, amen? He keeps no record of our sins. And so he's done away, you know, one of the things, I was talking to Jamie a couple of weeks ago, and he says, you know, I have to get through in my head that when God deals with me, he's no longer dealing with me from the sense that I'm a, I'm a wretched sinner, right? From this point on, from the time that I came to Jesus Christ, he now deals with me as, ah, my child, my son, adopted, brought into the holy family of God, made holy by the blood and the suffering of Jesus Christ, Ex fully acceptable to our Heavenly Father now, w with nothing between us. The barrier of sin has been completely removed, and, and, he, and he shows us forgiveness and shows us his favor, and now there's nothing between us and God. What a, what a, a marvelous thing he's done for us. He's solved, he's resolved our most serious problem, our greatest issue. Psalm... Um, um, Let's, do, let's look at uh, Psalm 103. Can you just pull it up on the screen, Tim? Psalm 103. Look, look, th look at this with me. Praise the Lord. I love the King James Version. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Would you say that with me? Can we say bless instead of praise, though? Because that's kind of what I'm used to. Would you, would you just say that with me? Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not 
all his benefits. Can that be your theme for, thank, for, for November? As you go through and you struggle through things that you're going through and you struggle through, you know, all the difficulties that you're going through, can you remember? But wait, I, it's not like I ventured outside of his favor. It, it, it's, not like I've, uh, it's not like hardship cancels all the things that he's done for me. It's not that, it's not like, like, you know, the problems that I have with my family or the issues that I have with my health or the loss of a, of a loved one. It's not like all of those things cancel the goodness of the Lord. In fact, I would say that sometimes the hardships make me more aware of what he's done. And sometimes that's what it takes. Matter of fact, I'd say maybe oftentimes. <laughs> that's what it takes for us to discover. I was sharing this morning, I was reading a little bit of uh, Spurgeon here uh, just, the, just uh, the last couple of days. One of the things he says, is he's talking about, you know, this, this psalm starts, oh, or, or from the depths, out of the depths, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. And he was talking about that. He says, well, you know, it's in the depths that pearls are found, right? It, it's in the depth, it's in those dark places, it's in the very depths of the ocean that pearls are found. And they're not found, right, pearls aren't made immediately, they're made over time. He says the same is true in our lives. It's in those dark places, and it's in those dark places where we suffer for a long time that we discover the pearls of God's love and his kindness and his faithfulness, but sometimes we don't even know they're there until he takes us to the depths. Sometimes we, don't e- we can't even discover them until we're in those places. What is it about struggle? What is it about strife? What is it about suffering? that makes us realize God's goodness. I don't know. This is kind of a mystery to me. Okay. Um, verse 3. Who for, uh, uh, so anyway, bless the Lord. <clears throat> bless the Lord. Who forgives all your sins. Listen, listen to these verbs. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from where? From the pit. That sounds like the depth, doesn't it? From the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. If that weren't enough, verse 5 who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Yeah, I was going to try to get through that whole psalm, but we're just not going to make it. Let's let's pause there for just a second. Let me just talk to you for a second. Um, Would you you bow your head for just a moment? And let me just talk to you for a second. I want to speak to you just really quickly about the struggle that you're going through. And, and uh, man, who of us doesn't have struggle? It, it's common in this life. It, 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 this, is the, this is part of what it is to be humankind, is that we have struggle because we live in a fallen place, a fallen world, and, and we're a fallen people. So we're going to have struggle. But the question I have for you, in the midst of that struggle, was the Lord's favor lost? In the midst of that struggle, did his grace go away? In the midst of that, of that difficulty that you're going in, can you, can you, was his love lost forever? The answer is no. And, and maybe the answer really is, as a matter of fact, in the midst of that struggle, I know his love more. In the midst of that struggle, I know his favor more. In the midst of that strife, when I really needed someone to rescue me, when I really needed someone to save me, when I really needed someone to answer when I called to them, he was there. He is the God who sees. He is the God who hears when I call. And when I needed him most, he was there. He is the Savior. Uh, He is the Holy One. 
He is the one who, who waits for us to find those, those pearls in the depths of, of our difficulty. And he waits to show you his favor. He wants to show you his goodness. He wants to show you his love and his compassion in the middle of all of that. So could we pray like the psalmist did? Could we say like the psalmist did, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Father, we thank you for your kindness toward us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for those, those strong ties, those ties, that, 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 the, that bond of love that, that you hold on to us th- through all the difficulty that we go through. Even the psalmist, you know, even David, even the rest of the psalmist, they went through difficult times. And sometimes they couldn't see. Sometimes, sometimes those, those hard times made things very confusing for them. And sometimes they got lost in the midst of, of not knowing or not being able to see or not being able to feel your love and your touch or your compassion or your mercy or your grace or your favor anymore. Lord, you know, Father, that those times can be very, very confusing to us. But, Father, in the end, we have to remember you hear, you see. You've dealt with our most difficult, our greatest problem. You forgive, and you're there for us. Lord, we thank you. We bless your holy name this morning. We bless you, Lord. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here this week. Y'all have a great week, and, and just uh, remember, bless the Lord this, this, uh, this month here as we get ready for Thanksgiving. Thank you. Bless the Lord.